Welcome back. I'm Steve Jackson, and this is Take It to God. Um, this is part two of my interview with Nathan Rhodes, um, and we're discussing the leadership and congregational relationship. Um, a very interesting topic, um, and so I would highly recommend you downloading episode six, which is part one, and let's get back to the interview. Okay, one of the other things that I wanted to discuss, um, you gave me a verse, um, Exodus uh, 20, and it was 1 through 21, and pretty much that entire thing is, is listing of the Ten Commandments, or where Yahweh was actually giving it to the people of Israel, actually speaking it to them. And, you know, 18 through 21 was basically the people saying, uh, we don't want to hear from God anymore. Um, Moses, you go do that. And, you know, obviously it wasn't that did Yahweh initially wanted to just to tell Moses and then Moses, you tell the people. It was him speaking to the people, his chosen people, and them saying, uh, not so much. And so then Moses had to do it himself. Um, I find that so interesting because I, I think that goes back to pretty much everything here, the leadership and the congregation. I mean, the purpose, in my opinion, of the leadership, and I want to talk more about this this particular verse because I, I researched it way back to even when Moses first had the encounter with, with, with Yahweh about, you know, doing this whole thing with Pharaoh. Well, I think, I think it's interesting with that. You know, I remember growing up watching uh, over Easter week and watching the Ten Commandments on TV um, with uh, with Charlton Heston and just that whole, you know, Moses going up on the mountain and, and having everything written out on stone and then him coming back down to the people. And, and when you read that passage, that, that part of Exodus and look at it, you know, that's not actually what God's intent was. You know, he starts exactly. out Exodus 20 with, was speaking to the people, right? And and he goes through and gives them the law, you, you know, talking to them, doing that personally, one on one, and and you know, you you get the picture. I, I don't remember if it's there, if it's chapter before. It talks about all the the um, yeah, it's chapter nineteen about the whole that whole process on Sinai about God telling Moses to set up boundaries and you know, warn the people not to go up here and right. and all these things that God goes through before He descends and before He comes down, and then actually see him come down and interact with the people and his heart and desire to be that. And like you said, he goes through and, and lays out all the law and in verse, uh, I think starts in verse 18, you know, or verse 19, the people say to Moses, um, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't get what, don't let God speak directly. Yeah, to exactly. us. Will... <laughs> and, and I think that dynamic uh... it, it today even in the church is still very alive with what you have between leaders oh, yeah. and people in the church. Well, and he so doesn't, you, you have, he doesn't want to just speak to one person. He wants to be able to, to tell everybody. That's the whole point of the relationship, you know? And like I said, I, the, the leadership part of it. And, and honestly, I think it's half, it's the people's fault to some extent. There's a mixture of both in my opinion, but I think a lot more, of it has to yeah, do, yeah. It, the people are saying, uh, you just go and talk with God and tell me how much I need to give to you, and then you can divvy that out, which was never the purpose of a tithing, but just the, re- the, the, the purpose of the church. Yeah. yeah, It was, you go talk to God and do that. And when that happens, you run into the problem exactly what happened. When Moses came back down, he sees Aaron... You know, and the people into exactly into saying, "Okay, this is what we're going to idol." Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the problem. Is so. I mean, you know, it's kind of a mixture of both. But what I really, really find interesting is I went all the way back to when when um, Moses was first uh, 
encountered by Yahweh. And it was like chapter 4, and I think it's around verse 13, is when he starts saying, you know, Yahweh, why don't you, you know, don't don't use me. Why don't you pick somebody else? You know, let's, let's, let's not use me because I, I can't talk well. He's like, I'm very slow. I stutter. I can't do all these things. I'm not the person to do, to talk with Pharaoh. And he's basically like, well, didn't I create the people who are dumb and deaf? And can I do whatever I want to with whomever I choose? I mean, I can, if I want to choose you, then I can make you say what you need to say. And he's like, oh, but no, you need to find somebody else. And, and, and it's very clear. I mean, Yahweh just kind of says, and the anger of Yahweh glowed against Moses. He was like, don't tell me how I'm going to handle this. I've chosen you to do this for a very important purpose. And so he said, okay, fine. If you want Aaron you can have Aaron, Aaron to talk and Aaron to do all these things. So I find it interesting that in in part, Yahweh, like you've always, like you were making the comment, in his mercy says, okay, fine. I'll give you what to say. You can tell Aaron and then Aaron can tell the people. Well, the problem is, is now Aaron's involved with the situation. So I think, in my opinion, it was kind of Yahweh's, if we go back, giving us a picture that if when Yahweh tells us to do something, as difficult as it is, it's you have to battle it out with him, obviously. But if we keep getting to the point where we're like, no, I don't want to do it. Let this person do it. Let this person do it. I don't want to be involved with that. Then Yahweh gives you that option out. And at the same time, there's repercussions. So now Aaron's highly involved with this whole situation. So Aaron's kind of important. And so even Aaron was kind of like to Moses, ah, Moses, you go up and talk with Yahweh. And now Aaron's the one who's facilitating this whole process. He's leading the the rebellion. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Yahweh knew in his infinite wisdom, Moses, I want you to do this. There's a purpose. I want you to do this. And so, you know, he says, ah, but I don't want to. I'm not the person. And so we, we don't believe that. And we see that with Sarah and Abraham. I mean, Abraham, you know, Sarah was told that she was going to have a child. She said, yeah, that's not going to happen. So he said, Abraham, you go sleep with my, you know, handmaiden. And, you know, and so then we have Ishmael, you know. I mean, so it's just this whole list of things that I Yahweh and all of his wisdom, I, I know had to know this was going on. And to some extent, I think to some sometimes he looks at this and kind of gets a giggle out of it because he's like, ooh, you know, now this is going to be kind of fun to see how this all works out. Because if he's truly in control, you know, this is not really a big deal. But, you know, at the same time, he's like, why don't you just listen to me? You know, I can, of course, it's going to be something that seems impossible, you know. Again, that maturity, just that growing up of, and, and, you know, Paul hits on that several times about, you know, why do we have to keep going over these same things again? Why do we have to relay the same foundation? Why aren't you more? And and I think there's come a point in that relationship, too, that, no, he's not going to get angry at you and, and cast you out. You know, we have we have definitely promises about all of that and how, how we are cherished and loved and treasured and all this. But at the same time, does that ever mean that he doesn't get to a point of where he doesn't say grow up a little bit? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and again, to me over the last few years, that that's been really the, the, uh, the message to me or, or what I've been hearing is okay. You know, it's, it's time to grow up. It's time for some maturity. It's time to move past some of those things that you should be past by now. Right. And, and I think it, when you start hearing those things individually and talking to other people and they're hearing similar things and stuff, you, you can start to kind of say, or, or or maybe kind of say generally, that maybe that's 
the problem with the church is, is we're a very immature, spoiled church here in mm-hmm. America mm-hmm. Um, with with what we've grown up with. You know, we're the we're the the rich kids that have never really been told no and never had to do all these other things. That you look at the church worldwide of what they've had to suffer through, what they've had to what they've had to go through for their faith, for their their beliefs for for their relationship, just even have the relationship with Christ. I think we have just because of our lack of circumstances and, and lack of opportunities, we have never known really what it's like to suffer for right. for that relationship. And and you know, like you were talking earlier, we get we get scared when when maybe there's a threat down the road that that our tax free status might be taken away as a church or right. or all these things that that you kind of look at to see the real fear that is there mm-hmm. when people are talking about that and then to compare that to you know other countries where people have lost wives or husbands or children or, or lost their own lives right. for that faith and you you kind of start to compare those and look at those and say wow you know that's that's kind of stupid for me to be upset about. <laughs> that's not about. a good comparison, that, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. And and that's, you know, all the things that we were joking around a couple of years ago talking about about this, you know, what's it going to be like, you know, when you get to heaven and you're talking about people that have died and, you, you know, you've got Paul that's talking about being martyred and, and Peter and all these things. Mm-hmm. And, and our biggest problem here in America was, you know, that, that we had to deal with, with people who didn't like the color of, uh, fabric on the pews. Right. <laughs> you know, the worship was too contemporary, the, or something. Yeah, 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 the music was too loud, or wasn't yeah. loud enough. That, right. You know that that person had had too many tattoos, or that person <laughs> was too Christian, or all these things. That right. it's almost like we've made up all these ridiculous things to fight about and get upset about, and yeah. and kind of put upon ourselves that we're burdened and and oppressed and afflicted because of all this. And and to me. Again, when you just step outside that and kind of look at it, it's like, no, we we haven't really had to deal with much at all here. We've been very, very blessed with the freedom to be able to do pretty much whatever we want. And, and I think you kind of see that, how God uses those times and those, those, those spans of discontent with people to kind of push them along and move them. And, and even with first century church, you know, you, you see where, um, where God allowed persecution and, and trouble to come into the church to spread the kingdom. Right. And I think that's a foreign concept and idea a lot of the times that, you know, we like to talk about. But again, here in America, we've never really had to to deal with that on the level that, that other churches and other countries are are dealing with right now or have had to deal with in the past about what is it. Yeah, Americans' vision, though, is, is like, uh, like we were talking about, it, in the corporate America mentality that we have, we don't want our clients to suffer. We want our clients to feel happy and good. And so we, you know, the, the church tends to say, well, you know, we have two people here. We have, you know, the, I just use the traditional worship thing concept as an example, but we have a traditional worship service and we have a contemporary worship service to satisfy our clientele. Yeah. When if now if you're always telling you to do that, if this is a very strong feeling, you feel like you're always saying, you know, you need to have two separate things, then that's fine. If you've battled it out with him and you sense that's what you're supposed to do, well, then be obedient, and that's the important, most important thing. I don't know if that's necessarily going on. Whether it's just you know we need to make a con- two services so that we make the people happy, and that's not the yeah. point of the the church. Is it's to 
edify and to grow the body so that we can be mature. And so these little small little things where we're like, well, I don't like the music. I think it's too loud and stuff like that. It doesn't really matter, you know. It doesn't really matter. And the more I talk about it, the more I guess the more frustrated I get because I go, the, the purpose of the church is just to grow the body so we become mature. So this kind of stuff that we're talking about doesn't isn't an issue. But the fact is that the more we get involved with it, the more it becomes an issue because we're just trying to pacify our group, and that's not a good thing. The purpose is to to get them to the point where they can communicate with Yahweh clearly, and these little things don't really matter. That's where you see that tension between the leadership and people that, you know, that, that is echoed there in Moses, you know, right. with the people, okay, we don't want to listen to God anymore. It's too scary. You go do it for right. us. You know, you've got Samuel, um, Samuel with the anointing of Saul, you know, with, when Israel wanted a king, and God tells Samuel, you know, lay out for them everything that's going to happen, mm-hmm. that their sons are going to be called to war, that their daughters are going to be taken, that all these things. And so Samuel goes through this whole list of all these horrible, terrible things that you would think that the people would at least stop and pause about. And they're like, no, all the other nations have a king, we want one too. Yeah, exactly. And, and just that, that kind of mentality that I think we fool ourselves nowadays thinking, well, you know, we would never do those things, that, that's never an issue. That, that we do the exact same things nowadays when we when we go sit and, you know, if we don't like what the pastor said on Sunday morning, well, we're going to let him know about it. Or right. if we don't like what the music was, we're going to let... And we completely and totally, so much of the time, give away our personal freedom and responsibility. And, and in some ways, I, I think you could almost even argue we sell ourselves into slavery, mm-hmm. Yeah. by what we're doing and, and our reactions or lack of reactions to things, that on one hand it's easy to, to say, you know, the church needs to fix this and it needs to do this and it needs to change this. Right. At the other hand, you could say, if we as the people really are the body and the church, why aren't we changing that? Why aren't we doing right. things different? Why aren't we teaching differently? And, and I think that's where that dynamic comes in. And, and, and I think you see that I heard somebody talking about it and, and using the example of a pendulum, but, you know, it kind of swings one way, and when it gets too far one way, it has to swing back the other. Right. And I think here recently, over the last hundred years or so, you kind of see that where it swings too far in in the direction of either pastoral, where everything is the pastor and what the pastor says goes, and, and you see things kind of get to an extreme that way, mm-hmm. or it swings over to where people don't, I mean, there's there's clear authority structure in the Bible, and, and I don't think anybody would argue against that or, or what that is, but the function of authority and how that, that works and what the purpose of that is and how that, that fits its way into the body, I think, maybe has gotten out of out of balance a little bit from what it was supposed to be. And, and again, until, to me, until that is balanced, until we're able to do and understand and see that a little more clearly about what that is and how that functions. You know, you're not you're not in a leadership position to lord it over people. You're not in a leadership position because you're an amazing person. Mm-hmm. You're not in leadership because of any of those things, even though you may have giftings and abilities and, and all these things go along with that. Your responsibility as a leader is to help people along. It's, it's not to hold them in or, or again, kind of that that sheep herding mentality like you were using earlier, you know, it's not to say, okay, everybody get in the corral and and shut the gate and make sure nobody gets away. It's not that it's growing and maturing and raising 
believers who who are able to to think and to understand and reason and do that on their own, and then they can go out and do that themselves. And, and I think that's that's how it was always meant to be. Right. And if you look at the the first century church and, and even before that with Jesus with the disciples, that's kind of always the process that went along. You know, we were talking about Paul being mentored earlier, and and you've got Priscilla and Aquila. You know, him living with them and then them picking up and moving moving with him when he went to various areas mm-hmm. and supporting him in his ministry. And, and you've got, um, the, there's another passage in Acts that talks about them pulling Apollos aside um, and, and teaching him more clearly about the gospel and what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that that idea and that relationship of being able to have interactions, being able to, to ask questions, not just of the church in general, but of leadership in particular. You know, being able to go to somebody in leadership and say, I'm not sure that this is biblical. Can we talk about right. it? Because I know from my experience and, and um, you know, I would assume you've had some of the same, most of the time, any kind of challenge to leadership in, in any kind of church setting is almost met with, with anger. Right. You, you know, when you, when you come and say, is it possible, even if that wasn't your intention, even if you weren't being confrontational, even if you weren't doing anything other than what you've been instructed to do about if you have a problem with somebody, go talk to them Mm -hmm. about it, that that the attitude is how almost how dare you question what we're doing. And that, again, to me, starts to set off, um, you know, alarm bells and and raise warning flags and all these things that, okay, wait a minute, we're, we're getting in a very, very dangerous area where if we're not doing it right now, we may be on the path to we're enslaving people to something that actually isn't to Christ. Right. You know, that they're, we're, again, selling them into slavery to, to somebody or something that they're not supposed to be slaves right. to. And, and that's all those, all those verses, all those passages, you know, in the New Testament about calling uh, Jesus saying, you know, you'll say, Lord, Lord, and they'll say, depart from me, I never right. knew you. And when it talks about the sheep from the goats and all these things, as as being in leadership and other aspects in various areas, that was always one of the scariest things to I know, me that's is a scary verse. what am I representing right. as leadership and telling people that, you know, there's a very real possibility that that either they may have heard wrong or I may be telling wrong or I may be teaching something wrong. I think and, it goes back to your rubber stamp concept. I think it's a good picture of, um, you know, I mean, even these people were saying we we cast out demons in your name. I mean, these are these are heavy things, you know. I mean, we've healed people. I mean, all yeah, this not that, yeah, not that's stuff. I mean, stuff that you would consider, wow, that's really God. And he says, yeah, but from the least of these, you didn't do. I mean, you didn't do to me. You didn't do the least of these at the same time. Now get away from me. I mean, that's 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 not like you know. Well, I'm going to slap you in the hand now. You can move on. It's like depart and that yeah. stuff like that. I think it's scary, it's scary and I think. It's not necessarily, you know, that this is, we need to say that that's the case and that's what's happening in the church and, you know, pastors need to stop it. But I think it's a start warning Yahweh is trying to tell the people is all you always have to come back to me. I know you think, you know, just by doing these things, they automatically, you know, are, a, are an okay but the fact is, is if you're not taking it back to me and we're not discussing what you should do with all the resources you have, both spiritual and physical, if you're not taking it back to me, you know, you're you're in big trouble. It, it comes back to the relationship. And I think the problem is that people look, oh, well, as long as I give to the poor, I'm okay. 
you know, well, then there's yeah. no difference between you and the Red Cross. You know, I mean, the, the concept is, yeah. is that I think he's trying to say, build a relationship with me, everything we can discuss, you know, and I, I think that's, I think that's the main, the main gist. And I, the other thing, there was another comment that came to mind about the pendulum thing. And, and I take it a little bit further, even with the pendulum is I think a pendulum to some extent is, is the way Yahweh almost wants it to work because with the pendulum, you have a string and you have, you know, the, the, the ball attached to the string and it swings from left to right. And I think as you're learning, as you become your, as you become a Christian, you have to go to these extremes. You're going left and right and left and right. And because you have to understand what the, what the, what this side is on its extreme and what this side is on an extreme so that you can begin as you as you're connected to God, as you're connected to this bar, and I talked about this a lot in the last podcast, when you're connected to this bar, which would be Yahweh or God, if you're attached to it, you're going to start coming to a place of balance. It's going to stop at some point in time. As to where if, if you're fighting against Newton's law where you're just a ball without any kind of attachment, which I think sometimes the church is do to some extent, now, not all churches, obviously, not all people, but to some extent it's becoming where, and even in government today, I mean, where it goes all the way and nothing, it's not holding on to things. There's no center piece that's holding it. So it just keeps on going until it crashes and burns. So, you know, the there's the outside force that's acted on it. So now it's just crashed. And so we're like, oh, well, this doesn't work. So that means we got to go the opposite way. And that's the only answer is to go the opposite way. So you go the opposite way and you don't stop because there's there's nothing, there's no Yahweh trying to balance you out. And I think with, um, you know, even with our government to some extent, you know, I think we've given so much power to our leaders. And this kind of is works on two levels both in the church and I think in the government, at least our government to some extent. When the founding fathers came, I mean, it was a smaller group and they were just assuming that because they had come through so much oppression, that the, the people would want to be involved in their government. So they, it wouldn't just be, I mean, we obviously elect officials, but we have a an important part of that. We have a vocal aspect to that. And the problem is, is that we got to a point especially now that we have the power we do as a nation, we've just become complacent and we give our power to the people, to these certain people and just say, you know, whatever you want to do is fine. We get really angry and we put these people in office, but at the same time, we're not really involved with it. We just say, you know, when we look and we see that we're not satisfied with them, we're, we're going to replace you. Instead of saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and saying that, and it happens with pastors. And I think one thing that I think we probably need to clarify, and I think we're doing it just by the topics we're choosing, is that we're not picking on just leadership and we're not just picking on the congregation. It's a unique balance. And the only way you can balance that out is not by following a certain letter of law. It's about always taking your relationship back to Yahweh. And as, and as I've always said, a church should be born and birthed only because I worship Yahweh, you worship Yahweh, we both feel like we're supposed to be together, and I feel you're supposed to take charge of this part, and I think I'm supposed to take charge of this part, and we're going to start working together. And that is what inevitably starts to build a church. And so if you're going to be leadership, and, and Paul's very clear in that when he talks about what the church should look like, 
is that you know if one's prophet if someone's prophesying and that person ends another person's supposed to take up then the person who was prophesying just sit down and this next per- and this next person should talk so it was this consistent balance but it wasn't that it wasn't that he said okay for 20 minutes you do this for 10 minutes you do that for 5 minutes you do that he says it's going to last however long it's going to last depending on how far the spirit wants to take it so yeah. just st- just be, you know, just, just be with me. We'll edify each other. We'll learn from each other. And in the greatest experiences I've had, you know, just in a 15 minute session, I've learned more about God and how he works, um, with just like three people. And it was just that, that I would talk and then I feel I'm done. And this next person would talk and they felt like they were done and this next person. And we would just bounce off of each other because the spirit was just throwing things out that he had taught all of us. And now they were coming yeah. together. And in the end, I look at what we're doing right now, just you and I, not, you know, forget if anybody's listening or not, but just you and I, this is what I consider church in the fact that you know, and we've been here for talking, you know, potentially for an hour and a half, if not more. Now, if we were to do that in a normal church setting, you would have most people just kind of saying, oh gosh, do I have to do that? And I think the reason why is because it wasn't supposed to be just one person talking. So of course, everybody's sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is going to go on forever. Nobody can pay to listen. Yeah, to exactly. And so the thing is, is and, and exactly. That's why it's free. That's why the podcast is free. But I mean, the, they'll We're doing exactly. <laughs> but the point is, is that I, I and this is the thought just came to mind is that the reason that um, people are just the reason we have to narrow it down and say, okay, we have to have thirty minutes of someone teaching us. And that's all we can do is because inevitably the whole purpose of the church was that we each had this moment where we each talked and we each gave our opinions and, and felt what, what Yahweh was saying. And we, we had this group, which is why some cell groups can go on for three hours. But you get into this you know, church setting and it just well, kind of craters. I think beyond that, what the problem to me, what I started to see or what I started to believe the problem was, is it's, it's not even so much that. It's it's a fear that we cannot deliver on what people actually need. And so we structure all these things and it turns into a control issue. Right, yeah. So we may know that somebody needs an encounter with God, mm-hmm. but we don't know how to do that. Right. So we're going to have, we're going to have our cheeriest people out front to just make sure they're nice to them. You know, we know that people need to have something change their lives. We don't know if we can do that. So we're going to have to, we're going to try to have the most, you know, cutting edge, up-to-date worship, music, lights, all of this to where we can give that to them. And I think it becomes this trade-off of what we do is we don't actually give people what they need. We give them what we know we can deliver on. Right. And, and that turns into a, a scarier, you could almost even say sad situation because then it again becomes what we're doing. Right. It becomes what I as a person, how long can I keep you entertained for for whatever it is, whether it's music, whether it's with a skit, whether it's with um, my speaking, whatever it is, it becomes what can I do to keep you here? Right. And that's not to say, again, obviously different people are your gifted, and, and we've all been in those situations where you know some people you could sit and listen to for three or four exactly. hours and not have a problem. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but the freedom to do that for the most times here in a Sunday morning service or service in general just isn't there because 
you would have people that would get upset. Well, we have lunch at, at twelve thirty, right. and we well, then leave. these plans, and I guess, and all yeah, exactly. and it just, yeah, yeah and, and it just turns into all these things that we're supposed to have freedom in, mm-hmm. that that we're supposed to have all these opportunities and possibilities mm-hmm. and all this. It turns again to me that that we settle for so much less than what the intention was, and and I know we've said it several times. You know, again, it's it's not bashing on on leadership. It's not bashing on churches. It's not bashing on mega churches or on small churches right. or or any of these things. It's just kind of an overall. Are we taking it to God and asking Him? That's the whole point. Of, yeah, what is that relationship? Just on a relational standard, mm-hmm. what is the relationship between? the bride and the groom, right. and is it what it should be? Right. And, and just a simple question like that, and if it's not, then why are we so scared to change that or to mess with that or to do something different when, again, we, we have freedom, we have a history of, of scriptures and church leaders and, and all of this this rich history. Again, going back to Bonhoeffer, that, that was one of the things that he looked at and believed with his life that because of the family he had, because of the history of the people that had come before him with the things they accomplished and and what they had done, that he had a responsibility to learn from that and to use that as a as a springboard or, or a platform to do even better and greater things. And, and I think if you look at that in a church sense, we have such a, a rich heritage and history and and body of work for us to be able to learn from and and you know with technology nowadays and, and everything that we have there is so much opportunity for us to grow in knowledge without ever having to step foot in a church right just to be able to to sit at home and to be able to read and study and learn and pray and meditate that are we doing that you know right. is, is that what our our heart and our goal and our passion is to to say we've had you know this um, I think Hebrews refers to it, this this great crowd of witnesses that have gone before mm-hmm. us. Are we doing that, and, and are we being all that, that we were intended to be? And, and, and that's, and I'm talking to you, and I'm sure other people, that's the heart, too, is, again, it's not a bitterness and anger. It's a desire that, that the Church, not denominationally, not... Um, philosophically, not all of those things that we separate and divide with, but the Church, the Body of Christ, and the Bride of Christ would be who and what it's intended to be. Right. And a passion for that. You know, that, that definitely I can say I've got a passion for that, and that, that you do too, that it's, it's at times it may come across as anger, or it may come across as arrogance, or it may come across as whatever, but honestly at the it's root love, of it is... Yeah passion that the bride is what she's supposed yeah, to be and 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 there's just a, a desire for that you know we were watching uh, recently the a new robin hood came out i think i talked to you a little bit about right. that but, but with russell crowe and um kate blanchett you know and, and there's so many pictures of the bride and the groom in there that to me were just so powerful watching the movie right. um Going through it, but, but one of the most powerful ones was was at the end, you know. And you've got Russell Crowe as Robin Hood and and Kate Blanchett as Marion, and they're riding into battle together. And and just that kind of concept of what the bride is and what what Christ is returning for, as far as what the church is, to me, it, it is something that we should hold in high esteem, right. and that we should be, you know, that we should be willing and ready to 
to discuss at, at the very least, if not to uh, to disagree or fight or or anything like that. But to be able to say no, we we really do have a high opinion of the bride because this is what we were called to be, right. and this is who we're going to marry. Well, and, you know, and, this is, yeah, and throughout the entire scriptures, I mean, anything you know, every time Yahweh disciplined or was angry with the church, it, it wasn't because he hated Israel. It wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't hate them. That was the whole point. Is he was trying to draw them back. And and I think um, and this is kind of on the subject, but I think at the same time, going back to some of your statements that you had about um, the church and why it ends up doing this, and this is totally my opinion. I don't get this to be a word from Yahweh, but it really becomes the reason they decide to keep on going with what they're doing, and and you kind of tapped on it. The reason they keep on going, they're like, well, instead of saying that we're not going to have a, you know, a speaker every Sunday, um, instead of saying we're not going to do that unless Yahweh tells us to do, the reason we have to do it is because A, it's controlling. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to balance it out by only doing 30 minutes. And so that kind of gives us our leeway so that we can still control the situation, only do it for 30 minutes, and then people can go home. Instead of saying, well, maybe this Sunday, no one's going to talk. It's going to be an hour of prayer. And if you feel like coming and you feel like leaving, you can can leave 10 minutes into it and there will be no judgment. You got to do what you feel you're called to do. But this this is the purpose, you know. And... And going back to that also is the fellowship thing. I think the problem is, is and because you know they talk about you know don't forsake the the fellowship of the the brethren. Fellowship, yeah. And for me, at least, the people that I feel the closest to, that I feel connected to, that God has me talking to on a regular basis, I rarely see. And I think our technology is allowing us to do that. At Paul's time, that that just doesn't exist. You know, I mean, you could write letters, which is similar, I guess, to some extent. And he did that a lot too. Obviously, obviously, the entire, you know, know, fifth, fifth, eighth is nothing but letters. You know, and and so that's the whole point: is that you know, it doesn't mean you have to be physically there. And so the forsaking the fellowship of the brethren, we just assume that means going to a Sunday service. And I don't find that to be the case. I believe having coffee with two, you know, just you and somebody else, let alone, you know, five people, is that fellowship. Because you're communicating, you're you're developing a relationship with that person, not only with that person, but more importantly with God. Because both of you are edifying each other. Like I said, I mean, what I see this as is the exact same thing, you know. And it's all to, like you said, prepare... Um, and going back to the Robin Hood thing is to prepare, to prepare the church for what that relationship is. Those kind of movies are a great example of, and I, and I think the problem is, is the church, and not necessarily with that particular movie, but we look at movies in general, and we just go, oh well, this isn't a Christian themed movie, so we're not going to go watch it. Now that might be the case. Now God might say, I don't want you seeing that, but unless you take it to Him and ask Him. You don't know, and I think like with this particular movie you're talking about, and I have not seen it yet, but I think with that, there is a message, if God wants you to watch it, there is a message embedded in that that is trying to show you something, even if it's just that portion of the movie, that he wants you to see and say, do you see how important the bride and the groom relationship is? This is you and I. And, um, and and I'm going to talk about this more in another podcast. And I, I think 
Uh, I think just one example would be uh, the the TV show The Office. Ironically, you know, as as much as it goes off into this weird sense of humor, the relationship between Jim and Pam, I really felt God said, this is truth. This is truth. The relationship, they went through back and forth and, you know, Jim was with with, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Pam was with Roy and Jim was with Karen and it just went back and forth, but they always knew that at some point in time they were going to draw together. And it was that tension that made that relationship even stronger so that when they did actually finally unite, it was a purity, you know, it was a true, pure relationship. And exactly with what you're getting at with the movie there, that is a true picture of what the bride and the groom should look like. Absolute love. And I don't, like I said, I don't know. And you can maybe elaborate a little bit more about the relationship that, um, at least in that movie, that it portrayed between the bride and the groom and how that relates, if you want to elaborate more. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was just interesting going with that. You know, there's a, not to give too much of the movie away, but, you know, there's a scene with Marion where, where Robin isn't there, where she's having to defend herself. Um, and, you know, I think so many times it's kind of got this um, um, this view of the church as kind of weak and as kind of frail and and having an inability to do much at all, you know, kind of the, the turn the other cheek. And, and, and obviously those things are, are in Scripture yeah, and, yeah. and not arguing against any of that as far as, you know, going out and actually taking action. But, but just this idea of, you know, Christ is not to me is not going to be attracted to a weak um <laughs> to a weak bride and and so to see her in this situation defending herself and she did it quite well right. um <laughs> taking care of herself you know to me that, that there was something in that and about that about the church that you know we haven't been completely and totally left incapable of doing anything here on earth mm-hmm. you know we have been blessed and there's many passages that that talk about that you know, that we have been blessed with the ability to do some things here. And I wonder how many times we kind of settle as as cowering in the corner um, when maybe we should be a little bit more, um, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but but we should be a little bit more forceful in who we are and what we believe. Right. And again, not, not out of anger, not yeah. out of... Um, <clears throat> not of anything like that, but just we are the bride of Christ. And as that there is a privilege and a responsibility that goes along with that that we don't have to be ashamed of. Right. You know, that that it's it's okay and there are some things that it's okay to be um that it's okay to be forceful and to be outspoken about in the right way. Mm-hmm. And and then again, you know, the the scene at the end, just the two of them riding into battle again, I I, I think too many times we don't understand for as as many times as it talks about the bride and the bridegroom. I just think that picture is lost on us. Even even when we've been in relationships or been married, I think that picture is just lost to us of what it means to be the bride of Christ. Right. You know, and, and to me, watching that and seeing that, you've got all these passages that talk about you know who Christ is, especially in Revelation when He comes as the conquering King. Mm-hmm. You know, riding on the white horse and, and all these things. To just think of the power and the the authority that go with that, then to me to have seen that, you know, with Marion as a church riding into battle with the king like that, it, it was just a very powerful picture or, or image to me of what the church is. 
And again, that, that idea of what is it that Christ is coming back for, you know, is it perfection as we look at it? No, right. it, it's not going to be that everything's right, yeah. that, that we always agree on every issue, and that we get to a point where all that happens. But I don't I, think it'll ever be I that. Bet I, but I, but I, so. just to interrupt, I believe, and I could be wrong, I would think that during that fight, um, and I'll have to see the movie myself, during that fight, part of the reason and part of the thing that was keeping her going and keeping her strong was knowing that the love was there. And that's why she was doing it. Yeah, exactly. And so there yeah. was that, there was that interconnection. So it was the strength of the love that they had built. And if she didn't know him, you know, for anybody, she would inevitably, I'm assuming just kind of like, well, what the heck am I doing this for? But I mean, she knew yeah. him intimately. She knew him. And so she was willing to fight and be that strong person, and and I I think you're right, and I and I know you said you, you with hesitance, you know, a weak bride, but I think it's less about just fighting randomly, but it was like she she had known him so well that she could step out and and take that step, and she and and what's different about the human relationship versus Yahweh is that he's with us during that time i mean he's he's with us and guiding us in that process and to some extent with her it was the love that she had for robin that was keeping that going so when they wrote off in the end that was just a continuation of of what they had built you know so it was nothing new you know to them i'm i'm assuming yeah, yeah. And, and I think we, I think we miss that too. With, I think it's it's hard for us again to understand, even knowing what we do about relationships and love and everything. Just to me, I, I think we we and, and I say we and me, me mostly at times too. Just to understand the passion and the the energy and what all goes into that relationship of, you know, I I know how I get jealous at times currently and, and in the past and other situations with, you know, Regina while we were dating and, and while we've been married and stuff like that. So to take my feelings of, of jealousy or of, um, you know, wanting to, to be what I need to be for, for my wife or love or all of that, and to understand that that's imperfect as it is, and then to translate that or try to translate that to the way Christ feels about the church and the way the church is supposed to feel about Christ. It's just, it's really kind of, it's almost hard to grasp at times what that means, right. you know, what, what that requires and, and what that looks like. And the, just the, the force and the, the amount of the love and, and everything that goes into that, of that relationship, you know, again, that it's not, you know, I don't think Christ is coming back for for um, an unperfect or, or and I again, profession is the yeah, way we define it. The yeah, way we the look, way we look at it is totally different from where he compares it to. Yeah. yeah, and and I understand that, know that, but the church as a whole, the church is one body, and and what that is to think of what he's coming back for, and then to me, whatever group you're involved in, whether you know you're going to a small group or whether it's, um, you know, it's a house church or, um, whatever size it is up to the mega church, whatever is, are you working to, to build relationship with the groom? And are you trying to do what's required to be the bride, mm -hmm. whatever that is, and to function that in whatever body you're in? 
you know, to facilitate that for whatever body you're involved in and what you're doing that, okay, my goal is when Christ comes back, whenever that may be, is to have done my job to try to make the church into the image of Right, of Christ, to edify it, yeah, to build it up. Right. And, yeah, and, and as much as we can to do that. And again, I think that that gets misunderstood, and I'm sure at times I've, I've failed in explaining that, that um, what my heart, my passion is with that. And, and it's just, it's it's even even talking about it now, it's hard to put into words yeah. to describe exactly what that is. But just that feeling that I... I I want to try, my hope and my goal and my yearning for the church is, is that we're the best bride that we can be. Right. And, and if that means, you know, that we do things differently, then great. If that means that we stay with things, great. Right. Whatever it is, whatever your whatever beliefs, whatever your heart, yeah. my hope and goal is that we're working not just individually, though that's an important, or an important part of it, but corporately that we start working together towards how can I help you become what you need to be because when I help you and you're helping me and, and you kind of get back to that that analogy of the body of that Paul was using yeah. is okay we start to see that okay it's muscles it's tendons it's bones right. it's marrow it's it's all these things that have to fit together the the nerves the blood cells all these things that have to fit and function and 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 work in a specific time and specific order and and you know if you just stop and think of all the things that are happening even even as you're talking or listening to, oh, yeah. to whatever's going on just all the things in your body that are going on to try to translate that to okay how does our church function our church body that we're involved in how does it function like right. that and how do we improve that you know it, it, and i don't think there's anything wrong or unbiblical about that kind of attitude yeah. of, okay, how, how do we improve this? How do we get better yeah. here? How do we change this? How do we become more but what is the like purpose? what we've been called yeah. to be as a pride? And what is the purpose is the main thing. It's just, it's it's not, you know, how do we make it better? I, I think that's the problem. I, and I, I guess the thing that comes to mind is, is um, and, and I hope no one takes this as a negativity towards any kind of plastic surgery, but the mentality is that, that you're like, well, I want to make myself better, so I'm going to get a facelift. Well, I, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm just going to try to do the outside and make it better. Well, and in reality, you, want to, you know, it could just be that you need to take better care of yourself. And there's people out there who've never had plastic surgery who look phenomenal, you know, and it's yeah. just, you know, how well they took care of themselves, you know, the the diet, uh, the way they took care of their skin, you know, I mean, just you can list the, the things off. And so it's not just like you said, I mean, sometimes we say, how do we look better on the outside so that people like us better versus how do we actually take care of the body that we have, no matter what that looks like, so that Yahweh is in that center. So then we think about the internal side of it. Well, how do we how do we make this a stronger unit so we yeah. naturally look better? We naturally look better because we're taking care of the inside. And so by edifying the body and, and, and building it up, we naturally appeal to other people because they're like, not even just the physical realm, but just the spiritual realm too. It's just like, what is different about you? And I think the problem is that people look at the church now and they go, there's nothing different about what you're doing compared to this guy over here who I consider somewhat of a scoundrel. You know, and that's not the entirety, but it you see a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I think it's been very, you know, especially again with the technology and information, it's so much of that gets so blown up now yeah. and so widely covered that 
There is. I think there. that's a very legitimate perception that's out there about who the church is, about what they are, mm-hmm. about what their goals. You know, it seems like um, negatively church gets tied to political affiliation and to, to all these things mm-hmm. that, again, it, it to me just kind of clutters what the intention was and what the purpose was and, and what the idea behind church is and how that functions and what our what our goal and our responsibility as the church right. is, you know, as, as, as the, the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, you know, all those, all those kinds of things that are we functioning in that capacity. And, and if we're not, it, and then maybe not even functioning in that capacity, are we functioning to the best of our ability right. in that capacity? And, and I think that's, that to me is where my heart and passion is. And I know other people see that different and, and that's great, and and that's that again is stresses the importance of the body, exactly. where it's not just one not person just one or ten people or twenty people, but it's that understanding of okay, everything fits together. And, and you know, we we're talking earlier about coffee and and all those things, and that's not to to denigrate no, or degrade to anybody that at all. Things no. I've done that myself yeah, too. Yeah, but there's there can definitely be ministry opportunities in those things. And, and I've experienced that myself. Oh, yeah. I'm talking to people that have done that and from serving in those areas myself. Absolutely. It's not... Yeah, we're not, not degrading it. We're, we're saying, so. is the church edifying what their, what their gift is? And some of them do. It's some of them do, but, but it's... Yep. To some extent, what I feel it becomes is... It, it, it's not for the purpose of edifying the body, necessarily. It just becomes free labor, and that's my only concern is is that we look at those things and are we going, is that really, should we compensate them? You know, I mean, the, just the general concept. And if the person, that, yeah, if the, I mean, that's what I've just been and, getting and, at. It just seems like it's more of a, we're yeah. just trying to make our church look good. And so we need you to do this work for us, not necessarily because it's edifying or bringing up you, but for us to be better as this or church. Or that we just, that we just stop discipling there. You know, exactly. We get, yeah. It's again the the question of easiness. That well, it's easier to go teach somebody to make a pot of coffee. We know we can deliver on that right. yeah. than it is to teach them how to how to be a disciple and how to to train and advise and right. and facilitate and do these things in their own lives. Right. So I I think again it touches on that point that it, a lot of times it just it factors down to what's easier. Right. You know what what is it easier for us to do? It's it's cheaper if you're looking at it from a business standpoint. It's cheaper and more time efficient and cost efficient to teach them how to make coffee than to actually disciple mm-hmm. them, and put because then that requires that time and that energy and that that growing. And I, I remember sitting in a church and listening to somebody speak from a from a Christian college and kind of going going through the history of you know it, it used to be. Um, you know, with Jesus and the disciples, you know, it's just 10 or 12 people. And then, you know, we started building churches, and, and so people could come to church and learn and grow and express. And and then churches from that grew into to colleges, to Bible colleges, where we, we needed other facilities to go to go to to uh to train and equip and do all this. And, and as he was speaking, I was just sitting there thinking, you know, is that looking at it now, can we honestly call that progress? Right that what we used to be able to do in, in somebody's house that didn't cost anybody anything, now, you know, 2000, 2,000 years later, you have to go spend four years and go in fairly considerable debt right. <laughs> to, to be able to do. Right. And, you know, is, again, is that the intention 
not our intention, is that the intention of of the church and what it was meant to be? Right. And th- all these things start out great. I I have no doubts about any of that, oh, but yeah. the desire and the hope was to teach and to train, and when there is needs to do this in a more efficient way. Yeah, complacent. And it's not yeah. against, yeah, speaking against any of that, but I think you have to constantly reevaluate and 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 look at things from, is this something that we need to keep, or is this something that, okay, it served its purpose, it served its time, now we need to do something else as things change, and especially nowadays, um, just with a wide variety of things as connected and interactive as everybody is, I think that it's even it's even more important to be constantly reconsidering and reevaluating what are we doing and why are we doing it, and is this something that we're doing because we felt a calling and a burden to do, or is this something we're doing because it's it's effective and requires the least amount of energy and time to do right. it? And I think that's that's always the battle, and and honestly, probably a battle the church is always going to have yeah. um, <laughs> between trying to balance those things to do one and to not do the other. But in either way you look at it, Nathan, I think you and I would agree on this one topic is that the whole purpose of this conversation and especially even with our outlook on the church is that I guarantee and we both understand that that we either are going to say something that sounds derogatory towards um, pastors or congregations or churches in general and we're just going to rip them to shreds and that's inevitably a perception that either the enemy is going to place in their heads but my my desire and I think your desire are very similar. We just word it differently. My desire has always been that not that you agree with what I say exactly, but that you take what I say. And if you disagree with it, great. Take it to Yahweh and say, Yahweh, what is wrong about that? Or what it, what about it? Is there truth? What about it? Is it not truth? And I think you're the same way. I think you say your desire is to just edify the church and make them the bride that they need to be. That doesn't mean that your way is always the correct way. It means that I hope you take what I say and take it to God and build that relationship with him and try to decipher what is truth and what isn't truth. And that's the whole point. And, and, to some extent, and I'm not saying this is this is the truth, but to some extent, I think Yahweh might even place in us either some untruth about something or that we say something that come, can come across incorrect so that it forces the people to take it back to Yahweh and not just run with it, you know, and that well, it, and that's the whole point definitely. is that it's he's trying to build that relationship. So he allows us to be incorrect about things. Um, and to be correct about things. And so it's if you agree with us, still take it to Yahweh and, and not a right or wrong. Exactly. Take yeah. it to Yahweh and figure out what's truth. If you don't if you disagree with us, still take it to Yahweh and try to figure out what's truth. Because our goal in the end is nothing more than to make sure that you are taking it to Yahweh, building that relationship. And in that, if you are a pastor at a church or if you're just a you know a member of a congregation, it's going to build that relationship, and you're going to know how to interact um, with your with your leadership, um, with the people who are teaching you, or as leadership with the people that you are teaching. And that's the whole point of this whole process. And I think, like you said, Nathan, we have the same purpose. We just word it differently. I mean, we still want to see the body grow 
in a closer relationship with him, period. End of story. Whether you agree with this or not, as long as you're taking it to him and being challenged, that's all that matters. It's, it's out of our hands at that point. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's not supposed to be our control. And that's the whole point is our purpose is to point people to him and say, you know what? What you've got to do is not our problem. <laughs> that is between you and God. And when you... Yeah, we're, yeah. we're convinced of what we believe, and this is why we believe it, and we're passionate about right. it. But, yeah, but definitely, I, I would agree. And yeah. as you were saying that, you know, it reminded me of... Um, you know, the, in Acts, uh, it talks about that, about uh, Paul and Silas, about going and preaching, and, and the people in the town were being, um, it talks about them being more diligent because they were checking up Paul, they were checking scriptures, they were right. doing that. Yeah. And I think that's a very important thing for anybody you listen to, whether it's your pastor, whether it's uh, friends, whatever it is, yeah. is being convinced that in and of yourself that, okay, I agree with this, I don't, and this is why. Right. And because, like you said, you know, I've worked that out, I've wrestled that out, I've found that out for myself. Right. So. Well, and that's the, and like I said, I mean, I that's the problem is that we've just given control over to leadership for that extent, and we're just like, well, you just do it, and and so it's this weird back and forth. Honestly, leadership should be saying, hey, wait a second, that's not my responsibility. I'm teaching you something, but you know, this this whole you know, being in charge of your real, your, your spiritual growth, that's not, your spiritual growth is between you and God. You've got to work out your salvation with, with Yahweh, with fear and trembling. That's not my responsibility. I'm here to teach you what I believe I need to teach you, and you got to go do that. And so that should be the leadership's responsibility. At the same time, the congregation is just giving the stuff to them. And I think to some extent, Yahweh then allows things to kind of process out. And so things get messed up and you have problems and, and he's looking at the congregation going, well, that's what you wanted. So I just allowed it. Yeah. yeah, He gives us exactly what we want most of the time. (laughs) And that's the problem is we just like, you just take it. And so I think to some extent, that's the, that's the thing is that we can't possibly understand the way Yahweh thinks. He's very clear. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So we look at it one way. We're like, well, the leadership's obviously in trouble, is not listening to the people and they need to they need to listen to Yahweh more. And I'm just like, well, maybe you need to listen to Yahweh more. <laughs> maybe it's not the problem with the leadership. Maybe it's you. But at the same time, if it's the leadership and the congregation feels that, you know, they're going in the wrong way, then they have the right you know, to say, Yahweh, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to go? Speak with Yahweh. And if Yahweh says, you know, you need to move away from them, well, then be obedient and move away from them. That's your choice as well, you know. And there's, yeah, there's lots of options like that. It's like, you know, going to a fast food restaurant. If you don't like the food, stop going there. We, yeah. can, we have so many opportunities to be able to do right. and to be able to, to change and to be able to work on those things right. that... Again, that that can't be an excuse, and and we have to be working that out and owning that first. And but also, and the, I think everybody. Yeah, with the fast food th- with the fast food concept. I mean, it it's the balance of taking it to Yahweh. It's not that you know just because. And actually, ironically, that that analogy in the church is used as a as a negative by saying, "Well, you're jumping from church to church. You know, you got to stick with it for 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 a long time." Not consistent. And yeah, and, yeah, you know, and that might be the case. But if you don't take it to Yahweh and say, "Yahweh, I'm in this terrible situation." What I wanted, what do you, what should I do? And he should, might say, stay there for another five years. You know, there's a purpose for this, and I want you to do that. Well, that's between you and God. But if he says you're done tomorrow, well, then that's between you and God. 
and, and I remember somebody saying, you know, churches are like people, and some <laughs> some people you like, and some people you don't. Right. And some churches you like, and some churches, and it's not a, it's not in an offensive manner. No. It's not in an inflammatory manner or anything like that. It's just.